0: Well, I had the opportunity to interview a lady called Jan Cavell, and she's an entrepreneur from the UK who has a few decades of running micro and small businesses behind her. And she's very familiar with all the challenges that go with that, and having started one from her kitchen table with her children, uh, when the children were quite small, and uh, she was a single mother. But then she went on to build that into a multi-million dollar uh, turnover business. Now, Jan's put her entrepreneurial experiences uh, together with a passion for writing uh, together a a book aimed at helping entrepreneurs. Now, that book is called Scale for Success, but she's coming out with a new book, and the book's called Start for Success. And Jan and I had a really cool conversation about things, and um, one thing we did talk about was about getting over your fear, and you know, a lot of people do struggle with fear and, and not sure about certain things or don't go and do certain things because of fear getting in the way. What she said was everything you want is on the other side of fear. And the other thing we talked about was, was you know businesses or organisations and how they can retain fun and energy as well because a lot of organisations need to do that. Have fun while they're working, but how do we retain the energy and keep going? And it's not always about work, it's about having fun while we're doing the work, but also having that energy in the organisation as well. Jan is a great lady. Now let's sit back and enjoy the interview. Hey there, listeners. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Jan Cavell, and Jan is uh, in the UK, and I'm going to bring her on the show. But first of all, I just want to say to you, take notes as we go through today's episode, some wonderful things that Jan's going to share with us in relation to leadership is changing on this wonderful podcast. Jan, a massive welcome to you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I'm so thrilled to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. And so whereabouts are you in in the world today? Of course, I said the UK, but whereabouts in the UK?
1: I am indeed in the UK. I'm right on, on the somewhat windy coast, south coast, near, near France on a clear day. Oh, wow. Very good. And you can see France on a clear day? On a very, very clear day,
0: yes. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> excellent. Very good. Now, um, I've, uh, what we've done is I've given the, the listeners a little bit of an introduction to you and letting them know a little bit more about your bio. But the thing is, is that you've been running some businesses for, for, for a few years now. Tell us a little
1: bit more about your background. Of course. I have run tiniest businesses, and I have run one business which I scaled up to nearly 50 people at one stage, which was a challenge, and I got lots wrong because I was a very ignorant business person because uh, I hadn't really had any training, and it was a kitchen table start, so you you do it on the fly. Yeah. I started in in a funnest way. My leadership style was probably better when I started than when I finished. I think, you know, that's the pressure. And the more you get the feel of the fact that you don't know anything, makes you a worse leader before you've even brought any other factors into it. Mm. But yeah, I did that for about 20 odd years. And then I sort of really burnt out in the end and I lost my way anyway because i had been providing for children with that. And so I thought, oh no, me time, I will do what I've always wanted to do since I was a child, which is right, but I still love entrepreneurship, so I write about entrepreneurs. And hence this fascination, among other things, of, that I have of watching the whole business and leadership in particular evolve over the years, which has changed so drastically, as you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And your book that you've written is
1: called Scale for Success. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Scale for Success, I wrote because I wanted to dig back into why I got stuck or you know, over a long period of time. And I also watched a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck at that particular sort of phase when you're on the way to scaling, you know, maybe a few million turnover, but you can't quite get the whole hog. And, you know, things start to go wrong. And so I thought, you know, what's going on there? You know, why is nobody talking about this? And of course, they are on podcasts now. But at the time, I, I didn't hear a great deal about it. And I thought, I want to find out more about this. What is going on? Why does it go so wrong? And I thought, well, I'll talk to other entrepreneurs, dig around, who, who have gone through it and actually achieved it successfully and find out their secrets and put it together in a book. Nice. So that's what I did. Yeah, and, that was my choice
0: one. Oh, very cool. Congrats. I think that's, that's awesome news. And, and I think, you know, scale for success is really quite a cool title. And I think, you know, as the listeners here are entrepreneurs who have got their own businesses and it's a different scale as well, different size businesses. Some are multi-million dollar uh, businesses and some are a little bit smaller. But then we've also got leaders who are at different executive leaders from small to medium-sized businesses through to corporates as well, large corporates. And I think that a book like yours would be ideal for any of them, actually. It's not just, uh, I think any leader should read it as well because it's about success and it's about probably trying times, but also about what they did and how the mindset came into it, where they were thinking about things. So I think it'd be a really, really, really cool idea for people to read it. So listeners, if you haven't already checked it out, check out the book, The Scale for Success by Jan, and I think it'd be a wonderful book for you all to read. Now, Jane, is there anything else you'd like to share about in your background as well? Anything else you'd like to share?
1: I, I think that's the sort of main point, where, you know, to to probably my length of service as a leader and in, and investigating leadership and entrepreneurship in general. I got involved with a lot of entrepreneurship campaigns during my years for owning businesses. So I went off and to tried to encourage people to start businesses. Or if they wanted to, I mean, this is not you know you must start a business, but you know if they thought, "Well, oh, I'd have to do that, but I can't," you know, try to to give them a bit of confidence and a bit of guidance, and say that is an option to you. When I started out, nobody really had heard of entrepreneurship. Mm. It was almost before the time it got so popular with TV programs and things, you know. Mm. So uh, it was it was semi-educational. I worked with schools, colleges, and small business groups. Excellent. And, and indeed you you.: So yeah
0: I think it's really cool that you're working with schools and colleges and there. Now when you said some of them don't start, because what is it that, that sort of stops them? That's what I'm really wanting to know, because I think it's, a, it's a, probably a key thing here for a lot of listeners.
1: I think a lot of it is mindset, actually. you know, if we're talking books, I've got a, another one coming out in January called Staff for Success about still to up Upright." And among the entrepreneurs, I talked to for that one was a fasc- fascinating one from Australia who had had terrible trouble with fear. And he told me the stories. I turn tell in the book about, uh, because I think it's such a good example of getting over fear. And he he'd had a sand I'm trying to remember it because it's a little while since I've edited it, but he had a sand dune collapse on him as a child. And he'd got this fear. I mean, we all have those sort of fears and, you know, or something particular, but they tend to spread out and impede your confidence, I think. And the press picked it up for some reason, and he got hold—he was got hold of by, uh, by Bear Grylls, hmm. of all unlikely and amazing experiences, who dragged him off to the Italian Dolomites and got him to uh, go into caves there. But I think, you know, well, that's an extreme example of, of trying to get over your fear, perhaps. You know, the general principle that, you know, fear is, which he talks about, fear just being in the mind. And there's a lovely quote that we got for the book, which is that fear fear is everything you, you want is on the other side of fear, mm. give or take on the quote. But, but it's true, you know, you've got, people have got this obstacle, this great mountain in their mind of, ah, oh, I'm going to fail. This is going to be terrible. And, and really, it's not. You know, it's no big deal. What's terrible is not starting.
0: Mm. That also
1: goes down to leadership. I think
0: that the fear of not making a decision, not starting mm. and procrastinating. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, people get annoyed or with a leader who doesn't, even an entrepreneur. And I think from a, a true entrepreneur will get frustrated with themselves for not starting. And I think that's, that's a really important thing here. But I love what that, that sort of quote Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I know that you're saying that may not be correct 100%, but I think that's, that's a cool way of saying it as well. The principle, yeah. 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 So listeners, get over your fear. Easy for, for Jan and I just to say it, but it's not always easy to do. It does take work to get over the fear. But you know what? You can do it. It can happen. You, you can definitely get over it.
1: You can. Just, just remind yourself of how much you'd regret it if you didn't start and then focus on where you want to get to put fear to on one side, just focus and go for it. Mm,
0: very good. Now, Jan, you have said that you've built all uh, businesses and that, and you know, of well, them went up to about 50 people and so forth. How did you actually get into leadership?
1: Through, I mean, that was my first experience of leadership. Wow. And I know, no experience at all. I mean, I'd avoided really taking jobs for other people. So, I mean, I certainly hadn't climbed any career ladder or anything. So, I knew absolutely zero about business, level alone leadership. And so when we started, we were tiny. And of course, when you start those very early days, there's just a group of you, and you all know what's going on, and it's all great fun. And if you don't work on a Friday afternoon, you make it up on Saturday morning, and nothing much, you know, nothing spurry is set in, in stone. And the fun factor is huge, the organization factor is zero. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the challenge then is when you grow, that doesn't work anymore. Mm, Okay. And I think the biggest challenge, and it must be even more so for people with businesses now, is how to retain that fun culture as you grow, because without the fun and the energy, then, you know, you haven't got very happy people, but equally you've got to have the, the systems and the organization behind it. You know, it's a real balancing act. But I don't think anyone wants to go
0: to work or work for a place that's just really miserable.
1: No. I think having the fun and I think the other thing
0: you said with it was energy. Those two things yeah. is really important. I actually say to people in a lot of events I do and and so forth, no one wants to work for a knuckle dragger. And people go like what do you mean? And I go, feeling sorry for themselves, okay. their shoulders are hunched and and they've got their arms down and it's yeah. dragging along their knuckles on the ground and they're feeling sorry for themselves or what's going on. There's no energy there. Well, it's, it's not a very good energy and people, there's no fun. And I think that is those three letters. If you in having fun is huge. I think if you can have a lot of fun, it, is. it may not be feeling like fun at times, but I think if you sit back in and think about the journey that we're going through and then it is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so oh, I love that. I think that's really, really cool. Now, Here's an interesting question for you. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader
1: and why? Well, if we're talking, did you, you said alive or dead or alive? Both. Either one. I mean, I think, you know, when somebody says leader to me, I, I know he's not probably popular or anything anymore, but, I mean, what Churchill did in bringing a country together <laughs> and creating a community that... Stuck with each other through incredibly difficult times, which is, uh, to me, a huge definition of leadership, was nothing short of incredible. So I think, you know, for me, that he has to be in there. And another person I'd mention is a less known man, but a leader called, I've got a total blank, who do I, was Stephen Kelly who is, I'm, I actually talked to a lot for that first book, Scales of Success, and he was very successful built two huge companies in Silicon Valley. He's been COO for the British government, and he now is chair of um, Tech Nation over here, which supports all big tech companies. So, so we're talking a pretty successful guy. Hmm. And he just has the quiet energy, but he's compelling and such a visionary and you you know, you just sit there sit there and you know, hang on to his every word and I and I've spoken to fix up talking to him and things. I've talked to some of the people that work for him. And they're also so so much in love with what they do, you know. It it clearly sprinkles through well not more than sprinkles, through the whole community there that, you know, they're just excited. To be there, which again is is all it's all about, and you just want to please him, and he was fascinating to talk to. Well, I wonder what it is that he does that makes it where
0: where people just want to work there and work probably for him. I wonder what he does. Any ideas?
1: I uh, I think he, um, you know, I talked to him a little bit about it, and he talked about being. Of certainly being a visionary, being calm, you know, like you were saying, sometimes you're miserable, but you know, you have to put all that to one side to still inspire people even when you are miserable and you're terrified and everything else that goes with running a company. And it's, but concentrate on supporting your people and enabling them to be creative and safe in innovation. And I think that's a very key point that I hear from great leaders: that if you have, if you encourage people to feel safe, and that their ideas are valued, even the stupidest ones, you know, uh, it, because we all have stupid ideas, and that's okay. But, mm. You know, then you get this culture of innovation and excitement about the company's development, about ideas developing, and personal development. And I think that's what people like Stephen Kelly and other great leaders are so very, very good at.
0: There you go. If we can build a culture of innovation and excitement, that'd be pretty cool. And I, I think both Winston Churchill and Stephen Kelly that you are just talking about there, both of them, I think, you know, you talked about the word calm. And if they're, they're calm, but, you know, calm amongst the storm, you know, when we're in head, headwinds yeah. and so forth like that, I think that's really important. Supporting the people, enable them to be creative and innovative, but I think building the culture of innovation and excitement. Awesome. I think it's pretty cool. Is there another, maybe another title for a book? There you go.
1: <laughs> My third. Oh.
0: <laughs> awesome. Hey, look, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, you choose, whether it's Winston Churchill or Stephen Kelly, if you were on a park bench having a cup of coffee with them, what would be one question that Jan would
1: like to ask them? I guess... I mean, it's with Stephen Kelly. No, I think I'll I'll ask Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, you know, as to how how because I mean, you know, yes, we're all under pressure, but pressure he was under was something else, and he suffered from depression, you know. So, which were the best times, and yet he managed to to still be an inspirational figure. I mean, how do you on earth do, you do that? You know, what what kept him going? To to be able to do that, to be such a, a, an inspirational leader to other people, when on his black dog days, as he used to call them. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think a lot of that comes down to him not being self-conscious, but being more about country conscious and
1: about where yeah, we're going. I guess it probably does. Uh, you're probably right. I, you know, it is. Uh, you know what? What I indeed, um, I mentioned earlier. I think, but I th- I'm sure you're right about putting where you're going above the fear, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's it's that focus on and vision mm. that, you know, just keeps all the horrors at bay, whichever the horrors are.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix, The Crown, but I think the what's quite interesting here is when we heard, you know, when the Queen became the Queen and that what she kept being told by the Queen Mother, I think, at the time was, you know, it's the crown above everything else. It has to be the crown above everything else. And I think, mm. you know, maybe even Winston Churchill and I, I mean, you and I weren't there. We don't know. I mean, it's it's. But maybe it was the role above everything else. It's the, the leadership in the country and the prime ministership. What I need to do to lead this country forward, otherwise we might be speaking another language very soon. And so he, he had to really, really pull things out, which was, which was amazing to see history, right, and
1: how that's played out. And- Definitely. And and I think the world is a poorer place for the less selfless leaders. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I agree. And
0: I think that we don't have enough, well, good enough leaders nowadays. And and I think for a lot of leaders, no. they don't know what good looks like. Hmm.
1: I think you're absolutely right. There's far too much self-interest. And, you know, I scribbled down the other day, you know, article question mark, as you do, you know, you know, the governments don't know the meaning of the word leadership, and I think you know definitely that is the case. Mm. Most governments or most politicians, and I don't know, you know, from the meaning of of good leadership, uh, as, and wouldn't get people to work more or anything else, you know. Yep. Um Yeah. And I, and I think I've got to ask, would want to.
0: I mean, I wonder how many of those actual politicians around the world, whether it be, you know, in whatever the level they are in, po- in politics and that, no. how many of them have actually run businesses or actually led teams before?
1: Very few, I think. And if they did, they certainly seem to have forgotten about it, you know, and, and maybe wanted to have whisked into a boardroom here or there, but building a, a small business up into a gross company, I, very few. Yeah. And then there's the, if if any.
0: And then there's the other side too, right? Whereby, whether it be in a corporate world, small business, uh, entrepreneurship, the politics side of things, sporting the whole lot, sometimes the title gets to their head, and they forget to be the leader. And I think that's something that they need to think about.
1: Very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, egos become involved.
0: Yeah, and sometimes that's not a good thing. So, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. That's the title of the show. If When I say that title or statement, what does that mean for Jan?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I, during my far too long career, I've seen leadership go from being this uh, pretty dictatorial, you know, you're lucky to have a job, you you know, you get lucky to get paid, do as I say, sort of leadership, but... Certainly, I was employed in when I first went to work to a very different ballgame altogether. I mean, it's absolutely unrecognizable from that. And, you know, it's good leaders talk about only being as good as their people and coming to work to support their people and putting their people in front of the customer. And you know how 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 extreme a pendulum swing can you get? It's uh, amazing. It's huge. It's, it has
0: been a big swing, as you say, and really interesting to see where where we'll go going forward. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I think you know leadership is changing. Is is has moved a lot the needle, and I think we've gone from that dictatorship hierarchical kind of sort of scenario to more of a collaborative kind of scenario. And a lot of organisations are struggling along that the, along that journey. And um, and I think the other thing, too, would be the leaders and the way that they are with people as well, and the way that they, they lead is, is also changing. Um, you want to say
1: something? Yeah, no, I'm certainly going to agree about it. You know, I think people are struggling with it. You know, I think sort of it's very difficult yeah. for people to entirely change their style. And I think also, while it's, you know, obviously a good thing that people are important, et cetera, et cetera, but for leaders who are under a sort of pressure that, you know, they are now with the economic state of most of the world to try and keep a business alive and constantly be told, oh, well, you're not paying enough attention to, you know, sort of Jane Dunn in the packing shed is very tough. There's only so much a leader, a leader can split themselves mm-hmm you know, and not, not actually go on to themselves. I mean, it's something I'm fairly passionate about and write a lot about, again, is, is leadership and mental health um, or, or entrepreneurs' mental health, because I think it's such a tough challenge, yep. and, go, and it's much, much worse than it was. It is, it is. And I think what we're seeing
0: here, uh, Jan, is that a lot of the world is getting faster and faster, whether it be entrepreneurship, business, social, data, technology, Technology is amazing nowadays in the way you can run a business as an entrepreneur versus what it was in the past. But, you know, with all of that and and life being in a fast-paced, ever-changing world, what do you reckon a leader needs to do today to be successful?
1: Well, I think they have to prioritize themselves a lot more in a funny sort of way. I don't mean do the politician's shop of say, I'm so wonderful and important and I must pay myself all the money that's in the company. But I do mean look after themselves in a physical and mental health state because you can't possibly be that supporter to everything and under that much pressure unless you take really, really good care. And that's quite difficult to do because if you're not very confident, not very high self-worth, to say I matter that much that actually I've got to look after myself most of all. But of course, you know, probably at that early stage of the company, certainly the company won't run without you. So you really are that important. Hopefully when you grow it and it becomes an entity that runs itself, then you can, you know, have your time off in in peace and quiet. But at that early stage, it needs you. So you've got to look after yourself in an extraordinarily serious way, oddly enough.
0: Yeah. I think, Giving yourself permission to look after yourself will be a really good start. because the,
1: Yes, yeah. that's a much better way than I put it. Thank you. <laughs>
0: no, no, I think the way you have put it is really good. And I think that that permission is really important. And I think just overall, prioritize yourself a lot more on what you said there is, is key. And from, you know, your book from Scale for Success or other book, the other book you're writing as well, but just and, and particularly because you've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and things uh, and people. Any ideas on what people
1: should be doing to look after themselves more, to prioritize more? Assuming that they've sort of fixed their mental state, that they're actually worth looking after. I think, you know, things like we used to value overwork, I think we have to recognize that actually entrepreneurs are very, very prone to doing silly things like like overwork and waking up and working at three in the morning and things like that. you know, and we, we push it, you know, we go on this roller coaster. We love the highs. We love fighting the lows, oddly enough, because we're really odd. And, you know, but, but it's that constant challenge. It's exhausting, you know, and somewhere or other it has to give. Again, there was another entrepreneur who I admire as a leader hugely in, in scale who called Rob Hamilton. And he actually managed to build an incredibly successful business. But he had an absolute rule that he would never, ever disturb his employees at work weekends. None of them would ever work weekends. And he only worked school holidays, uh, school term times rather. And he was there in a supporting role, I think, for the rest of the time. But his, uh, he actually focused on his, um, his plans and you know getting stuff done and driving the company forward in those school term times. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And yet he built in an incredibly... You know, sort of both in the states and here, huge company.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like he had boundaries. He understood what his boundaries were.
1: Absolutely, I think you know that's that's the word, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is definitely it is. And I think that you know, there are the, a lot of the leaders I work with. They 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 know that they should put this boundary in place. They all boundaries, but some of them are a little bit unsure what to do with it or how to to possibly say no without saying no to people. Um, it's just helping them through those techniques to understand what they need to do, but it comes back to the mindset of giving yourself that permission or understanding that it's okay mm-hmm. to do that, uh, which is really, really important for people. But prioritize yourself a lot more, and is really, really key here, because we're needing to make sure we do look after ourselves physically and mentally, as you're saying there, Jan, it's both sides of things as yeah. well. There have been some people I've been working with one-on-one, and they've been really quite overwhelmed about what things are going on for them and so forth. And, and I asked them, So do you normally exercise? What do you normally do? And so some of them have gone, oh, yeah, I normally go biking or I go for a run or I go out surfing or I love to play tennis and things like that, or I I like doing yoga or Pilates. Okay, cool. So when was the last time you did that? Oh, nine months ago? (laughs) And I'm like six months ago. And i well, okay, so I think we need to revisit this and look at where you're wanting to go with it. And, you know, so for some of them, they want that accountability too. So for a couple of them in particular of late, I actually got them to, they like running. So they said, I haven't been out for a run. And I said, okay, cool. So they 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 said to me they would go for a run over the next three days just to get underway with things again. I said, cool. I want you to send me a photo of the view that you've got out on the run and and text it to me. That's great. And and Mm. they've done it. And it's been really cool to see them. And then when I get back to them two weeks later, just for their one-on-one session, I go, So how's it gone for you? What have you done? I've been for a run, for some of them it's been three or four times a week, others it's been every day. How do you feel now? And you can actually hear it in their language, you can hear it in the way that they're breathing, everything. They have got there's, there's been this shift because they've been getting the stress out of them because of this activity that they've done. They've got fresh air, yeah. their blood's flowing and things like that. More importantly, They've got out of the out from the desk. They've gone out and did something else. And I think that is really key. So there we go, listeners. As Jan was saying, prioritize yourself a lot more, which is really, really important. Jan, you and I have been talking about leadership. We've been talking about leaders, entrepreneurs. Let's change lens or gears. And let's look at it now from an employee's expectation. What do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts around this, around how has employees' expectations of leaders changed?
1: I think they changed again tremendously. Croaky, hold on a second. Take a sip of my juice. You know, again, back in those dictatorial days, you know, we all were told, you know, well, if you're really lucky, you'll get a job for life. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and oh wow, gosh, what luck! You know, and we have moved again a little bit from that. People are right off that idea. You know, it's unusual. Some companies do encourage, of course, uh, you know, a ten-year tenure, but they might give six months off as a as a sort of reward or a career break at that point, if somebody actually reaches that time at least. But on the whole, the majority of employees actually want are looking for experiences, they're looking for development, they're looking for their own career paths, and the companies to listen to what. They want, and how they want to develop it, and the company to actually fit that round, so if they have a passion to 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 go and do more work with people, you know they want to be sure the company's going to support them and somehow mm. weave that in, and then they'll be happy, and then they'll give that sort of loyalty, otherwise they'll move on
0: they will they will indeed do you know I had this experience i it it's still today i'm I'm speechless with it i don't it blew me away. I had this very senior, uh, senior VP sit down with me in Hewlett-Packard days when I was actually in the States doing an event. And he said to me, tell me more about you, Dennis, because he was new, newly promoted, and well, new into the role. And I said to him, explain about myself. And he goes, where do you want to be in five years' time? And I'm like, well, this is what I actually want to do. And he said to me, cool, then our role here in HP is to help you do that. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we're here to that's help. Never heard of yeah. that before. And but then when I think about yeah. Bill and Dave, you know Hewlett and Packard, and think about those two guys, that's what they've done in Silicon Valley over the years, right? And um, yeah. you know Stephen Kelly, as you talked about, that's 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 what it's all been about. It's about entrepreneurship and it's about leadership and it's about helping people go and be successful in business and do what they want to do to follow their purpose, their passion. Uh, which has been very, very cool to see. So if employers, oh, definitely. if organizations can help employees think about what their purpose is and where they want to go and help them do that as well, while also helping them run their businesses, what a great equation. Absolutely. It's perfect recipe, isn't it? Nice. Nice way of putting it. Perfect recipe. Very good. Now, we talked about possibly what leadership might be in the future. So here's the question for you. If I was to get you to get your crystal ball out now, and start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years?
1: Well, I think, I mean, it's get generally getting more sort of concerned with, with sharing and being on an equal footing with the rest of the team, more communal, if you like. But I worry slightly as to how that's going to go, as to how to, anybody can maintain the balance. I mean, if you go too far and you've still got a founder who takes all the risks financially and everything else, and yet they're expected to give away as much everything else to everybody else. I don't know how that's quite going to work. And that's, that's where I worry sometimes that it's getting a little bit too unrealistic, mm. but you know, we, we work things out in amazing ways and, and innovate and bash things out. So we might see all sorts of changes. Yeah. We we, we will change no matter what it's, there's going to be change happening we just don't know what
0: it's going to look like clearly yet I think on the other side too is I interviewed a gentleman probably a couple hundred episodes back oh it's a nice way it's nice to say that but he talked about that he thinks that the future is going to be very much that subscription type kind of workforce whereby we will buy some people's time or expertise and skill set to come in do a project and initiative and things like that and I think a lot of Entrepreneurs probably work that way as well. Like I do too, right? My design team, my production team, yeah. and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on a subscription basis buying in their business these skills to
1: come and help me. And I think that could be possibly another way that a lot of business may go forward. I think that makes a lot of sense because then, you know, you still retain a reason for the risk, to be honest. And, and I know it works really well. I mean, you know, I don't employ many people writing wise, but for example, I've got a young guy. Again, subscription-wise, who's doing some social media stuff for me at the moment, and he's absolutely lovely. I'm Australian, you, um, but he's he's you know so great to work with. He's excited about what he's doing, you know, and says this is great. This is so cool. I'm learning, and I'm I'm you know just that alone energizes me. And I think this is so great to work with him. This is such fun. This is why I get up in the morning, you know. so, so you can still get all the good. Stuff without some of the bad stuff, if you like, you know. Well, I think it's. So I think he may well be right.
0: But I think it's also what you just said there too. Is, is he's excited about what he's doing. In other words, he's probably working on yeah. his passion, his purpose. It's the stuff that he loves to do. It's where I think a lot of people who are miserable because they're not actually well, they're not very happy, or they're not, they're just not in their flow because things aren't happening because they're probably not doing That's the right. right
1: thing. Yeah. Or.
0: They're not being given the opportunity to, to fly. I think sometimes we have leaders who maybe what I call diminishes. They, they hold people down and things like that, where should they, they should mm. get out of the way and let people fly. And you know they might be surprised to see what people can do.
1: I think that's their own inadequacy,
0: usually, isn't it? They're, mm.
1: you know, they're, they're afraid of those people flying. They might be rather better. Yep,
0: absolutely. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Jen, hey, it's been a real pleasure having you on this uh, episode today. If our listeners are wanted to get a hold of you, where, where do they go?
1: They would be very, very welcome to come to my website, which is jancavel and it's uk. So very easy to remember. Cool. We'll have the uk. Yeah,
0: cool. And we're going to put those in the show notes as well. So Lovely. very good. So once again, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Awesome. There you go, listeners. Well, what a wonderful episode that's been about scale for success and helping yourself be really good and going out there and building a culture of innovation and excitement thanks for joining us until next time bye for now